What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Panthers Nation Network. We're back at square one. <laughs> we're right back where we started. Yeah, you know, I hate to say I thought that. I kind of saw this coming. You know, I mean, we, we saw it last week in last week's game. The offense didn't look that much better, and we kind of saw it regress this week. I mean, Thomas Brown still learning on the job. A lot of guys just aren't playing up to the level that we thought they'd play to. And you saw it in this in this past game. I mean, Bryce probably had his worst game of his career to this point. I mean, probably aside from the Atlanta game, this was probably one of those ones I had to just kind of put on the quarterback. I keep going back and forth on it because I don't want to be like a Bryce Young defender, you know, and you have to critique your quarterback. It doesn't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter what the circumstances that you had to take to get them. You still have to be, you know, realistic about their performance. To me, being there on the field, like the drives that were stalled – in my mind, weren't necessarily his fault. The turnovers, obviously, but when you say his worst game, I don't know, because then you could say, you know, that Falcons game, and you, and you and you talk about Jesse Bates, you know, having the exact same effect that Kenny Moore had, you know, two picks, two just jump in the route instinctive plays, where Bryce maybe wasn't looking it off enough, and that's obviously could be put on a rookie quarterback, but I honestly think a lot of it, for me, had to do with the play calling. I, I don't know what, you know, we obviously saw from Miami to Houston there was a regression and whether it was playing to the defense they were playing up against or playing against the offense they were playing against it it wasn't as you know it didn't seem as smooth Bryce seemed more confident but there was it wasn't just it, it there wasn't a progression so if you're not progressing then you're you're going to regress and for me a lot of the drives you know those three and outs the punts the you know not able to get past the you know the 50 yard line to me it just seemed like there was poor play calling yeah, and I, I, I look at a lot of it. I'm still looking at why isn't there much of a variety in getting Bryce out of the pocket? Why isn't it? that ha To me, that has to be the, the biggest key is to move him away from the pressure. Where the pressure is clearly coming from his backside. He can't hold up. I, he, it's, it's really crazy that, we're, that we have a left tackle to this point that we can't trust the block one-on-one. -on -one. We have to constantly chip, constantly do different things. But we, we decide to play a straight drop-back game. This isn't a team that can drop back 30 times a game and let their quarterback survive. But we also don't run the ball well enough either to be able to alleviate some of that pressure. So right now, I got to look at Thomas Brown or whoever's calling the plays and say, look, get him on the move. Why did they? It seems like they refuse to make that a part of their, uh, their play calling style. Yeah, I don't know if it's just because the differences of what they played, the systems they played in, in college where it seemed like C.J. Stroud, but even his weren't that run, direct run heavy. But obviously, Bryce coming from Bama, you kind of get that where it's, they're more scrambling than they are actually dedicated running plays. You see that with Jalen Hurts, you saw it with Tua. But then once they get to the NFL, it's like, all right, well, they can run. I mean, Jalen Hurts, that was his whole calling card. His first you know, year in the league was he was just a, he was a running quarterback, really. And you saw that progression take over the next few years. You know, Fields, you haven't seen it as much. Tua, you know, he definitely has shown that. So I don't know where, because Bryce has shown he has the wheels. I mean, some of the biggest plays and some of the best offensive plays yesterday were him taking off outside of the pocket, running straight up the middle. So that's where I get confused. For me, though, you, you mentioned it, you know, who's calling the plays. We we talked about it in the Dolphins game where it was like, yeah, maybe, you know, Bryce got the the reins a little early and they were trying to just, you know, the, the conspiracy I was out there. I kind of now have a backtracking conspiracy being that it was the Colts. If it was any other team, I wouldn't say anything about it. But being that it was the Colts and all of the issues and all the way it all went down, do you think there's a slight possibility that maybe he had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder in this game, might have had his hands on the steering wheel just a little bit? Because a lot of those play calls seemed 
less Thomas Brown than more Frank Reich. Uh, that first half especially. That first half didn't feel like a Thomas Brown call half. The, now the first drop after the half, how they how they nickel and dominate down the field, that felt more like what Thomas Brown would, would want to do. I mean, I'm like, we can't prove any of this, but yeah, it makes it if if you told me Frank had had his had his you know you know was in Thomas Brown's ear a little bit more than usual in that first half of that game, I wouldn't be surprised at all by that. I just I mean like the the constant I mean the constant pushing the run up the middle. Chuba, don't get me wrong, is able to break it and he's able to put up good yardage, but not a you know. After a certain point, I know you try to you want to try to beat you know get the attrition to set in on that defense, but clearly it's not going to. Like after a few after a quarter quarter and a half, I give it to you, but you know especially once you throw that first pick and there's the first pick six and you come out and continue to try to run the ball again, what does that say about your confidence in Bryce and your confidence your offense overall? I think the one thing I may have I may have overlooked was there are still good names on that uh, Indianapolis defense that I think a lot of us. I think based off of how they played the past month, we were thinking, oh, we'd come in, we'd be able to control the game, we'd be able to set the tone. But there's still guys like DeForest Butner that are on the defensive line, still guys like, you know, Darius Leonard now, Shaq Leonard now. But and even guys in the secondary, like like Kenny Moore, who who we knew was a solid guy. We just didn't think to this point where he would be playing like Deion Sanders and, you know, get two pick sixes on us, you know, you feel me? But there were a lot of names over there that I think we may have overlook coming into this game and we just don't have a matchup we don't have a favorable matchup against any defense to this point like there is no defense that we match up great against i mean you look at the miami situation well miami to this point had doesn't play great defense against anybody and they play kind of to their level of competition each you know week in week out depending on who the, on who they got but they but we know they can outscore everybody we just don't have the matchups anywhere to win like we definitely don't have them on the outsides and when you start when you go into any game knowing that your receivers are going to struggle to get open there isn't much offense to really be had like un unless you're going to dominate you know unless you're going to dominate the line of scrimmage and be able to move guys off the block there's no offense re really to be created well, and that's what happens when you don't have a true number one offense you know wide receiver the whole point not the whole point but one of the biggest advantages of a true number one is that if the advantage in the matchup isn't there then you can go to that second one they're still going to look at that guy because they have to cover him. He's their number one receiver. You have to cover him. But then it can trickle down to the guys that are getting open instead of it. You know, you look at teams like the like the Texans or the Titans. You know, you look at you know Jondre Hopkins not getting anything, so they throw to Westbrook Akine, whatever his name is. He's getting two touchdowns a game right. because they're having to cover D Hop because he's that true number one. So when you don't have a single true number one why would they you know why would they put any extra attention to anybody else you start looking at where bryce got the majority of his yards it kind of felt like the the, the coach were playing like a, a, a soft a very soft coverage a very oh, yeah. soft zone now that's where you saw a lot of the plays where bryce was nickel and dominant but when it when it came time look you, you hit it, there's only so many slants and hitches you can throw until i just jump one of these and take it to the crib and that's what happened on the first one so that if that's your entire offensive game plan you have nobody that can threaten me vertically i don't respect anybody you ha you, you try to put out there to threaten me vertically nobody i think it's the same it's kind of all it's kind of all of the same the only pick i've seen bryce throw that was down the field was against detroit every other pick yeah. we've seen Je even jesse bates ball that, that ball's coming over the middle jesse bates is not even playing his a, no. a deep third or deep half safety he's just he's just, he's just he's stepping right into the passing lanes and not respecting anything going vertical down the field. So again, when you don't have anything that can threaten the defense, these teams get to start. They they start to play a little bit more loose. They start to play a, a bit more free, and they and they get and they get hungry for the ball as well. I mean, 
again, if you're an NFL defensive back, how many times can you run a hitch and I not jump it at some point? Like you're, that, you train and practice week in and week out. That's one of the main drills is jumping a hitch route. You know, you know the distance they're gonna go. You can see it in that way. There, once you see those hips turn, you got them, and they're baiting you into it at this point. I mean, that you know that screen pass didn't work for a multitude of reasons. One, I don't see any reason to after you throw your biggest passing, complete your biggest passing play all season. If memory serves me correctly, that was his longest passing play, I think so. especially over the air. Yards after the catch, it's one thing, but especially air to distance to get to Hayden Hurst's hands. Longest play, and then you followed up immediately with a haphazard screenplay. And I always hate, I hate those double look screenplays. It's not fooling anybody. When every single lineman is running right, but oh, a little running back's running left, no one's looking at the running back. And if you're going to fake it, throw it to that running back going over there. Not to Miles Sanders then after five seconds, and I'll give it, Bryce put a bad ball there. Yeah. But in very few instances is a cornerback is a going to be right there unless he knows it's going to be a short yardage dink and dunk that he can weave which, through the cracks. Which was, which was your offense for the majority of that game. So to that point, nobody had any reason. The the one reason I, that, that, that Hayden Hurst play did work, and I haven't got a chance to go back and look at it in full, but I got to imagine it's because you didn't threaten them down the field at all until that play. Yeah. That's the only attempt you have vertically down, like more than 20 yards down the field. So, yeah, that okay, that one worked. I, at this point, man, you gotta be a, you gotta be a, a a bit unorthodox with this group. This isn't a group you can just kind of go, you know, steps one, two, three, and four. You may have to do different things. You may have to just try maybe try a couple deep shots. Yeah. Just to try to really loosen them up and really make them feel like okay, they'll they'll actually take a chance if we if we keep allowing it to happen. Um, but again, that sense of not being able to establish the run game for a group that the reason why they were so successful last year was because of their because of their, their running ability. That's really what's hurting us right now. Yeah, it is because and that's been the most aggravating thing week in and week out is that you brought in all these guys and you don't seem to understand why you did so. Like you're not using them in a way. No, the, no, they have not every player they have on offense. I can't tell you why they thought it was a good idea to bring him in because I can tell you why they told us it was a good idea, but I'm not seeing any of it translate except for Adam Thielen. He's been the only one, but even, but then what happens? They lock down Adam Thielen, which is not that hard to do and not anything against Adam Thielen. He's played out of his pay grade for us and played like worthy of a true number one who was getting trade offers, but physically and technically the routes that he runs, his tree is easy to lock up. I'm going to tell you, I, I can equate Adam Thielen's season to this. It's a, it's watching a bad basketball team. It's going to win like 20 games and you watch that one guy that is a mar he's a marginal player. He's a yeah. marginal scorer on any other team. He wouldn't probably be a starter. No. But he's getting off here. He's getting you like 17, 18 points and not here. So yeah. you think so you really think he's getting he's going crazy hooping. Like, yeah, yeah. No, he's it not. He's good on a bad team. Yeah. But Adam Thielen on a good team would be a three. Yeah. And, and that's where it I mean he was. He was. <laughs> he, he, as his whole career was built on being a number two, whether it was to Diggs or whether it was to Justin Jefferson. That's his his entire career. And at thirty three years old now, he's not still a elite two. He's sliding back to really a three category that you would like to have on the field with other great weapons. And he's supposed to be one of those guys. I can understand working where, okay, like a kind of a kind of like a Wes Welker kind of thing where you're not he's not the one you're paying attention to he's slipping through the cracks because he's not the guy being guarded because they've got gronk or they've got you know the tail end of randy moss or whoever you know that's where he's supposed to fit in and that's what i was expecting when we brought him in is a guy that is a solid route runner one of probably the best route runners in the league still has a lot of fight left to give and is 
very technically smart with it. And very crafty. And the only other, the way this would have worked is if DJ Chark would have lived up to the, to the level. And we, but we all knew coming into the offseason. We said once we signed Chark, I'm like, bro, that's just, it's just risky. Because we all, the one thing we know about him is that he's never on the field for a full season. And his level of play isn't nearly as consistent as one would like. No. Now, last year in Detroit, look, I'm looking at Jared Goff and what they're doing. Jared Goff has definitely excelled as a passer, more so than what people gave him credit for throughout his career. I think, obviously, coming from Los Angeles, people kind of assumed that it was just McVay that just kind of yeah. put it out there. But, no, Jared Goff has real passing ability. We're seeing it now. He's making every receiver he's playing with right now look good. It's, that's kind of what you got. All your free agent signings were guys that look good under a under a system that under a system and coaches and other players that complemented them very well. Miles Sanders also being the other guy. Yeah. Miles Sanders benefited greatly off of playing in a system where Jalen Hurts is the best runner on the field. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's no there's no true game plan. Like who who truly is game planning for, for Miles Sanders coming in any game when Jalen Hurts is the quarterback and AJ Brown, Devontae Smith are at receiver. There's no like nobody no. nobody's truly game plan for Miles Sanders, which is why I, I believe he ate so well in the in the past, his past three seasons in Philly. Um, DJ Chark, much of the same, man. A guy that's been inconsistent his entire career. Got into a good situation last year and now being asked to be more and it's clearly not in them to do that. No, and that's why, like I said, I don't understand what they think they're doing with the players that they have. Like, you get a guy, too, like Miles Sanders, at least for us and for most of the fan base, I would say no one thought he was coming in to be a number one running back in terms of running it up the middle in between the tackles for more than 100 yards a game. I, that was not expected of me. I was expecting the safety net, the safety valve, you know, the kind of McCaffrey-esque play style where he's putting more on the flats, more in the bubble, but they're not even, they're trying to force him up the middle, which is clearly not what he does. And then you also got rid of, like if you had kept Foreman and had Miles Sanders, and you do what I mean, that's there's a difference there. But then you even look down the line at other guys that they have as well. I mean, there's not a reason that Stephon Sullivan should be your number one tight end receiving in terms yeah. of receptions. And he was he was on Monday night. I mean, there's no, I understand Ian Thomas is injured, but what was the point of Tommy Tremble? What like if Ian Thomas isn't in, then Hayden Hurst should be getting the bulk of the receptions. Again, another guy who you look at it like in Philly, like in De or in in um in Houston right now. The tight end is a safety valve. You look at it even in Detroit with Laporta. I mean, the Vikings, T.J. Hawkinson, it goes, the, the formula's there. Yeah, it's the fact that Hayden Hurts hasn't had a huge day since the season opener. And yeah. there's no way you looked at that season opener and how him and Bryce connected and said, look, well, we can't just well, we can't just feature him anymore at this point. Like, like why has there not been a part of the offense tailored to getting Hayden Hurts the ball? These are clear, because to me, even, even with the year he's had as far as him struggling, He's still the the second best receiving option to Adam Thielen. Yeah, and he's the guy I would trust more than than Chark and Mingo to this point right now. And Stephen Sullivan, he's an athletic tight end that was kind of a fringe wide receiver in college, but he hasn't translated to this league. Like he, he can't play. I don't want to say a guy. I don't want to say he can't play, but he at least can't be out there on the field this much for you. I think that it fell a little bit to the recency bias, like we talked about, you know, beforehand in terms of what he what had preceded him you know and i think that's where you kind of saw that from him i just i don't know like i if like if you're dan morgan i'm looking at you like okay you saw this formula work with cam and greg olson 
like from the get go. You saw that that tight end, like how helpful it was, is, is very vital for a, a young budding quarterback. I mean, you, it, it's not. This is not an uncommon story we're writing right now. Right. Like the form, and that's what kills me is the formula is there. The formula is there for a lot of these guys, and it just seems like they say all these things, they have all these game plans, then you get on the field Sunday or Monday. And it all goes out the window. They've been great salesmen all year. They, they have. They, they've been great on talking about how great the staff would be, um, how well prepared they are, the guys that they brought in, how well they would be used. But to this point, the staff, it's crazy to think all that NFL experience, like almost damn near 200 years worth of NFL experience, and I've seen nothing positive from this group. Like there's nothing I can take into next year and say, I can't wait to see what how we build on this next year. Yeah, because at this point, I'm questioning who we've got in the, in the front office. I mean, we keep talking about Frank Reich, and I, I think it's a it's a dual, it's a a dual double-edged sword. I think both of them are failing. Frank Reich is not using the guys they brought in well, and Scott Fitter did not bring in the right guys. You, you can't miss on – when you bring in players, bro, you can't miss on a free agent class and a draft class all at the same time. No. Like that sets you back. That's, your whole, that's your whole job. Like, when you, you start missing on – I hate to say it, but we gotta start looking at guys like Icky and I. You know, I love JC when he's on the field, yeah. but to this point, he hasn't been there. I can't keep defending a guy that's not playing. No. But when you're missing, seemingly on first round picks, that sets you back a few years. We know that when you're missing on free agent signings, well, you trade out one run. We you trade out one running back contract for another bad one. For a, for a way worse running back contract to this point, because he just can't play. Yeah. McCaffrey just wasn't there, but. Sanders just cannot play. Like, we're trying to force feed him into the game, and we still can't get any type of production out of him. So when you're missing that badly in the draft and free agency, man, it's time to go. It, there is no salvaging this for Scott no. Fitter. I mean, at this point, he needs to be relieved of his duties. And I really want to say you want to you want to just clean clean the whole table. Um, the only guy I really would be, would be close to wanting to keep is Averro to this point because yeah. – He's outperformed with a unit that's been very much banged up all year. No Shaq, no JC. Um, I mean, we probably can go through a, a, a list of guys that, that have not played for us at this point that he's still been able to, to f- figure out how to field a solid defensive unit. I mean, it's getting to the point where the guy's running out of the tunnel on Sunday. I was like, who? Who is this dude? Like, there was two of them. I, was, I, I literally had not heard of their names. And, I, and that should tell you something because I'm I'm there at practice every day. I'm there at, you know, the at the, at the press conferences almost every day. And I was like, wait, who is this? When did I miss this person? I don't even know who you are. Look at the amount of guys we've had started corner to this point. I dude, mean, I don't even. Ennis has been like, well, to this point, he was the only guy that just stayed consistent, yeah. stay, stay consistent all year. But you've had Deshaun Jameson start at corner. We've had to see a lot more Troy Hill, who he, who he just got signed, like, what, after week when did he get signed? I think it was week two, I want to say. Maybe. I, cause I don't think he started off the year, but he has been the best free agent signing we've had all oh, season. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Then you start looking at guys like what? Boodle, who yeah, played. Literally, I. I yeah. Again, are you. Cooper, just, or whatever his name was. I, right. And it's, but here's the thing if Vero's been able to, to grab the guys that have come in during the course of the season and been able to been able to produce. Um. Not seeing anything from Amari Barno, though, and, and, and DJ Johnson. That's. That's kind of hurting me. But to this point, Justin Houston's been a non-factor as well. And is now he, going to continue to be a non-factor. Exactly. So, again, you've missed almost everywhere. I can't, I, I can't remember a free agent class that netted you no return. But then your and then your solution is to instead of address the linebacker position or any of the positions in any matter, what they get a guy who retired from the NFL 
to sell Pokemon cards and then got banned from selling Pokemon cards because he was scamming the people he was selling them to. And you mean to tell me you believe in his abilities to come there and be a football player? I understand it's practice squad, but you signed a literal scammer. <laughs> uh, like, what more do you want? Bro, that tells you where we as a franchise. <laughs> Hey, look, man, maybe he can still turn over or something. I don't know. I, like, sure. Are there any telemarketers while we're at it? Are there any, you know, <laughs> Jehovah's Witnesses that want to come and try out? Like, at this point, we're taking anybody. Yeah. yeah the doors are open at this point, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, it is. And, I mean, that's what's going to be, like, you've, you've failed at all aspects of your job right now. The trade for Bryce Young, no matter what Bryce Young becomes, even if it's Cam Newton levels, it was still a bad trade. It was a bad trade in the sense that the side of the ball that he's playing got worse with trading for it. And you took away any ability to make it better. Yeah. By getting rid of your draft picks. He doesn't have he, Bryce won't see a first round draft pick on his squad until his third year. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like unless we do something drastic in the offseason. There is nothing to uh salvage this, at this point. Like that's what that's what the reality starting to sit in that stay in that we're we're gonna be bad for a while. And we're not even going to try to, uh, you know, our, our best case scenario went from potential playoffs in the offseason to try to fight to make sure the deal that you put together isn't so much better for the team you gave it to. Because the Bears clearly have been able, they're, they're, they're going to get, you know, one of the craziest one-twos yeah. you've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, they can't, they essentially, they shouldn't be able to fumble this. No. Because we're talking about some of the best quarterbacks that I feel like, a, a stronger class, uh, at least top heavy wise. Like they, this is a, a strong quarterback class, at least oh, at the yeah. top. Um, even at other positions, receiver. Like you, it's it's hard. there's so many great receivers coming out. But if once you if you have the first crack at the best receiver, you shouldn't be able to miss there either. So to this point, yeah, I mean they they're 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 in a win win scenario whether they keep losing or not. I mean, it's one thing to get a great wide receiver, but it's another thing to also get a great wide receiver who was already who was came, came out the loins of another one of the best wide receivers <laughs> to play around, especially in his time frame. I mean, it's like getting a chance on a second Steve Smith for us, and for them to have it for a team that has not been able to pass for that many yards and have the ability to get two guys off the bat, then you keep going down the line. And there's been a lot of chatter, you know, obviously about cj stroud versus bryce young i mean that was the worst possible week i think that's why it made it his worst game because it was the worst week to have his worst week yeah. cj stroud looking like you know then i mean just looking ridiculous out there putting up the points he was against a division rival mind you uh, god forbid when we play the bucks if he doesn't have a similar stat line right. the, look the narrative has already been written and it's not changing for the rest of the year because i mean cj stroud just had the best performance that we've seen by any rookie quarterback Better than some quarterbacks, just bar well, none. Well, no, he had one of his performances of any quarterback in the league this season. That's yeah. probably the best performance I've seen. Um, there's nothing Bryce can do to this point to to to, no. to dispel that narrative. I mean, you got the win last week, but if every other week looks like this, the what we saw, and again, he was I mean, he's a rookie quarterback. He's due for one of these games, and Stroud's gonna be due for a bad game as well. But to this point. Now that I've seen what you can do at your best, it doesn't like the worst can't really be as bad. It, it can't be that bad, and nobody's gonna ever um, heap the heap the negative heap the negativity on him as much as we, we've done with Bryce at this point. Because Bryce hasn't even shown us not that he hasn't shown us, but we haven't seen 
a 300-yard day, a, no. for a four-touchdown passing day. Like, we haven't seen any of that. And we're not going to with this current group no. to this point. And that's what's aggravating. Like, you could say what you want about the two teams. I've seen a lot of chatter. You know, the Texans are in a different situation. They have a better skill set of guys around him. I mean, if you break them down piece by piece, you look at the, the people they added. They added two free agents in the offseason in, uh, in Dalton Schultz and in Robert Woods. So you have a veteran tight end coming from a good system who was able to, you know, he wasn't the, he wasn't the only, you know, tight end on the roster. And then you have Robert Woods, a solidified veteran who knows the game is technically good, is fast, but obviously aging. And then you have... Tank Dell, number two wide receiver, two, day two wide receiver, the pick right after Jonathan Mingo. And you have Nico Hollins, or Nico Collins, the day two wide receiver three years ago. And, and then you look at our system. And you have a veteran wide receiver in Adam Thielen and a veteran tight end in Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst coming from not obviously the first target in Cincinnati, playing with a lot of other guys, but still made an impact. Adam Thielen, we've already talked about him. Then you have a day two wide receiver in TMJ from three years ago, the same draft class, and then a day two wide receiver in Jonathan Mingo drafted quite literally right before Tank Dell. Clearly, we talked about it beforehand. The differences in the types of talent is there. Right. But the jarring aspect is how you got those guys, how they got those guys, all in the same. You were in, in the mix for every single one of those guys right so when people push the narrative of oh, cj Stroud has better this better that like no houston just did a better job of scouting and developing yeah that's what it really boils down to they, they scouting and developing um picking out free agent wide receiver guys i mean because i mean like because if we, if we go you know side by side comparison robert woods adam Thielen, which one you taking it's robert woods i ain't got we ain't got to wait around too yeah. No, yeah uh wait uh nico collins tmj who you take Again, you would off name, off name, off, off of name, you would have said Terrence Marshall. Uh, yeah, and off of the system he was playing in. But then if you look, if but we're not the one. Like that's what a fan does. Mm -hmm. The scouts are supposed to go, hey, you know what? He was in a one of the most prolific offenses in college football history. Right. How much of an impact did he have on that offense? You know, we said the same thing a few years ago. <laughs> that if you go back and look at that LSU offense, where does TMJ? take a flash the flash to you where it isn't just him running one-on-one -on -one wide open down the seam down the scene like it's, it's justin jefferson Jer jamar chase out, out there on the field not not a, not the hard not to pile on the guy but it's just that to me wasn't a valid enough reason for like coming out of that season it. like coming out of that season if you would have told me thaddeus moss was the one that wasn't going to get drafted out of those you know out of him and tmj i wouldn't have believed you because that thaddeus moss had much more of an impact then TMJ did not anything like you said too, but he, look at the guys he's playing with. Yeah, like everybody's benefiting off of the great players around that that were in that system. But I mean, even uh, even Brown uh, from from Dallas that they, that they got number eighty five. Oh yeah, no I mean, uh, another guy that yeah, can no just Brown. another guy that can at least make a play. Like I, I like we, pair him up with a Visca. <laughs> you, you I mean you again? I mean it's just you right on the coaching staff that just didn't want didn't know how to utilize this particular group uh you had a guy previously that understood the group that he had played to their strengths and that's that's how you saw this that's how you saw the level of success that you saw last year i think people got it confused that you know when you saw when you see the seven and ten record and you think oh bryce this is the situation bryce is coming into we should automatically be a better group because of that because we got better at quarterback and all of those things but 
you got worse at the receiver position. That's the that's yeah. the, that's the part that people kind of forget. Like the the impact of having a true number one changes everything about your offense and how it operates. We talked like you like you alluded to earlier with like with D Hop in Tennessee. Like it, it changes how you have to cover, how you have to game plan for a group. When there's nobody to game plan for, and there's nobody that threatens you as far as like how you have to play your your defense, you get to break the rules on how you even play defense, which which is what Frank Rock alluded to when J C Bates made those two interceptions week uh, week one in, uh, in Atlanta. When there's nothing that can make you change or make you have to feel threatened, there's it opens up the floor as to what you want to do and how you want to play. Yeah, when the basketball team knows they have no three point shooters. They're not going to spend any time in the perimeter. Oh, we, oh, 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 we camp in the paint. Exactly. Like, that's exactly what you're going to do. There's no reason to go anywhere near the line because they've got, they've got nothing. I mean, you see them freaking baseball. They're going to, they're going to crowd the infield. They don't need anybody out there because he's not going to be able to hit it that far. And I think that that's another thing that's aggravating is the fact of the matter is like, you look at the Texans though. I wouldn't say they have a true number one. Not really. I, not, like, not now. I mean, Tank like a buddy yeah, but, number one, but like the true number one, not, not yet. I feel like the issue is a lot of the time, I mean, we talked about the great salesman aspect. You got to think of the fact, you know, Bryce Young's coming from already one of the most, the most prolific college football program probably of all time. And yep. the dynasty that was set and coming in the back end of the dynasty and already, like you saw what that kind of pressure did to him. I mean, he's, you know, one of the only losing Alabama teams in, re- in the last decade to not win that national championship right. all four years that he was there or you know at least the majority of the time that he was there right so that's already something that he has in the back of his mind then you come into the system you've been traded all this stuff for you to get you and then your gm and your team come out and says we have the chance to take the division we have the chance to make waves we have the chance to make the playoffs we are in the mix to do so where houston's in there they're not saying jack they're saying, okay, we got who we got. We've got the team we've got. Their division is just as bad. Jags push it up a little bit, but yeah. it's the Jags. And they say nothing. So he, so CJ Shaw doesn't feel like he has to has to be that guy. We always said the issue with Cam Newton was that he felt like he had to be Superman. Bryce feels that way too. And the reason he's not getting as aggravated as you would see Cam Newton get is because he's trying to keep on that persona of the calm, cool, and collected because he knows that if he lets it loose a little bit, that's where even more is going to start to dump on him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, we saw we see the differences between the two, and honestly, I kind of wish he would just let just let it voice his uh, voice his frustration because I I want to know what I would like to know what he feels in terms of how he's being coached, what's being put out there for him, and if he feels like he's being set up for uh, success. I mean, obviously, once that happens, every all this, shit, all everything burns down to the ground. If if he ever voices any type of displeasure with what's going on, everything kind of just burns down with it. But I feel I feel for him for sure. I mean, he has, he has, he's never lost this much. He's never lost, in his entire football career. He's never been on this side on on the side of losing this many times. So I know it's tough for him right now to try to cope with it and and everything. But I mean, it's what it is. It's the, it's part of the growing pains with it. But I just want to. I hope we don't. We're not putting him in a Justin Fields situation where we waste year one. Year one's a wash. Get the year two. You don't have a first round pick, so how can you necessarily get this team better? Well, you know that's that's to be seen. But then you get the year three. By the time he has his first round pick back, okay. Well, where where is the team as far as what state is the team in? What where would that pick need even need to be allocated to? What what are you building towards is the is the biggest question mark here, and you're in a very precarious spot because you're in a you're in a position right now 
where you where you will essentially waste his first three years and waste that rookie contract window where you were supposed to be building towards being a playoff team. Yeah, and I think it's honestly, it's funny you mentioned it because I was thinking the exact same thing. If you break down the differences in situations between the Eagles and the Bears, Justin Fields and, 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 um, and Jalen Hurts, guys both coming out at the same time, both where it was a big question of who is number one, you know, who's number one quarterback, who's not. Obviously, neither of them were in that point in time. Right. But the way their organizations both used them respectively and treated them respectively, you know, the guys they were getting for them, the draft picks surrounding them that preceded them and then came with them. I mean, the Eagles building one of the best offensive lines in the NFL and then automatically getting him a weapon right off the bat and then getting him one of the best wide receivers off the bat, then keep piling on the defense. You see it gets him into a Super Bowl. They've not wasted anything in the same amount of time that the Bears have gotten them and just run him into the ground. I mean, the their outputs offensively were about even keel that first year. And then you see Hurts skyrocket year two. And, and partly because of who he had around him and partly because of what the organization did for him. And now you can see it. I mean, and it's funny because the Panthers organization and the front office had to see what these two front offices were doing with both guys. And we saw what it's what the bears did to justin fields and what they're still doing and you know doing nothing and then finally getting him a chase claypool <laughs> oh there's your saving grace right and now you're actively contributing to the aftermath of how they've treated justin fields to the point where like you said is that number one spot going to caleb williams to already replace you after just what three years yep i mean that's that is admitting failure in itself and so it's interesting to see could the texans already be on the same line could you know bryce young and cedar Stroud already be following those same paths down the fourth road of you know of Stroud following Hurts yeah. and Young following Fields. I mean, seemingly so when you already have a Tank Dell that you drafted the same year as your rookie quarterback that is, is already ascending towards being a number one at some point in time in his career, or possibly a, a great number two. Um, guys that you already had on the roster like Nico Collins that immediately elevated uh, once once CJ Stroud was added to the roster. Yeah, you got guys that are that are, that are already there that are starting to ascend and show signs of growth. So. The next thing you can do, either those guys, either you keep growing with those guys, or you may go out and seek better weapons, whether it be free agency or however you, you know, however you see fit. But you look at you look at Bryce. Well, his second round pick that was supposed to be his partner in crime that he was supposed to be able to have that connection with, cannot seem to get a grasp of this NFL game right now. And we don't, and, and we'll see if he can grow, but because we haven't seen anything that that flashes signs of potential of something that could be great. We're very, we're very much questioning. And then the free agent signings didn't haven't worked to this point. So who is Bryce going to grow with? It doesn't seem like anybody Bryce came in with is going to be a guy he'll be able to grow with because he seems to be the only pick to, to, to this point that we made at a 23 class that can be a viable starter. And I think that's what you talked about, just the draft being so damning in and of itself. Mingo, I think, unfortunately, just got a little bit of advantage from the recency bias of Ole Miss wide receivers in the last five years with DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown. I mean, it's the, the writing's on the wall. There's a reason why. There's a formula they thought was being put together, you know, and it was like, all right, that's who we want to get. We can have him. He can be our type of guy. It's not happening. And honestly, it's not, I feel like, for a lack of – I don't. he's so – perplexing because i cannot tell what the problem is whether it's if he's being used wrong if he's just not there physically because then when he does get targeted he, he's dropped half of them but then he's very rarely ever targeted or even included in certain packages yeah to this point i just yeah there, there isn't a real answer for for jonathan mingo like it was, it's just a big question mark and again it's because it's, it's looking so bad i don't know 
like even at his best what does this look like i know i think the ceiling is like we said that one play you know what was it last week the the the, the, the long run after the catch yeah i guess uh houston i think i mean he's supposed to be you know dj shark is supposed to be the big play guy and there's not a single route i've seen him run that alludes to the fact that he's the big play guy I mean, you know, Jonathan Mingo was, yeah, I think that he was very pivotal to this wide receiver room and has not been where he's needed. And that's where I'm like, all right, we look at, I mean, we talk about it every, you know, we talk about it a lot, just how many of these draft picks are busts and how just brutal it has been. I mean, DJ Johnson finally got the chance to start and is out in a quarter. I don't even think he finished the first quarter. I've seen that. I've seen that man go down more times than I have seen guys like, and then I've seen certain players that are veterans go down. Like yeah. he's had more injuries in the last seven months and more cart rides in the last seven months than a lot of guys I've seen. He's the my leg guy from SpongeBob. He, I mean, he really <laughs> is. And it's like, I, I can't tell if it's, you know, I, I don't understand why, because you know, that was someone we jumped up for. And that's where, I mean, Avero has been very, you know, right in the money for all of it. But if he was really pushing for that guy, I really would like to have a conversation and be like, why? What yeah. What did you see that made you jump over Darnell Washington, that made you jump over certain guys and trade more draft picks to get him? I mean, then, then the reach for Mingo in the second round when guys like Tank fell to the, he fell to the third round. If I'm not, if no, I'm Tank was the next pick. It was the next pick. I think he was, so that, I give it a little, but again, like, that's what makes it even worse, you know? Yeah. The oh, fact oh, that oh, they it, got literally the wide receiver and quarterback, the picks right after you. And it feels like, and to this point now, people are pushing the narrative that you got both wrong. And I, and again, I can't defend. Clearly, we know the situations are a bit different in terms of, like if Stroud was playing in this situation, we don't think it would look that much different. But it doesn't matter because the results are saying right now that they got it right. Yeah. Houston got Houston got both of their picks right, so it kind of is what it is. And maybe it's just as simple as the fact that they about who their offensive coordinator is. Yeah, definitely. I, well, cause, I mean, when, when you when you start you, you roll with Frank Reich, who to this point didn't show any signs of learning what happened in, in Indianapolis and the types of guys that he likes, maybe aren't the types of guys that can play in today's game. Then tries then goes and tries to re, re, uh, recreate that. And then when you start understanding that when, when coaches come from certain places. Like the players that were with them at those previous places, they funnel in with them. But those guys weren't good enough in Indianapolis. They're not good enough to play here. I don't know why we're trying to funnel these guys into this system. Like all, all the guys that you, that you signed on the practice squad, Land like Landers and Jordan Strawn, like well, or Matt Strawn. Um, why haven't they gotten a chance? Like yeah, why like why like uh, why hasn't Smith Morset done anything outside of be a punt returner, which he's not even great at doing that. No, he's not. So. Uh, to this point, man, like, I mean, we gotta start. We gotta start asking the real question, man. Like, how do we get this thing right? It. I mean, it won't happen this season. Nah. Like, this season, you, you're your best bet to hope for about maybe three or four more wins. I think the Raiders' play doesn't really help you in terms of how they're able to. You know, they make the move midseason, and one of you the, did that last year. You did do you that made last. Year. The, you made that move last year, and you decided that wasn't good enough, and we should go look somewhere else. So, and again, I'm not here to defend whether Wilkes would have been the same type of success in a full offseason i don't I, we don't like nobody knows that but no. you had the chance to you know to at least give them give them opportunity to see um and honestly had you done that you probably would have saved a lot more capital would have been a much better spot in, in terms of draft picks and could potentially build build moving forward but right now you just kind of it's kind of all what we are 
Yeah, and I'm gonna tell you one thing, especially in the NFL, it's not you know it's not like college, and it's not like when you have for a quarterback you're trying to like you know you you can get that chance to have that turnaround quick at a quarterback. We've yeah. seen that when it comes to a coaching staff desperation is not what you want and 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 jumping just to fill that spot like the nine times out of ten the guy you get because you need that immediate like help in the coaching staff is not going to be the guy that pans out it's going to be the guy you get three four five years down the road who has spent time developing trying to do what he needs to do and then there is an opening but you do it not at a time where you need it because nothing else is going right, but you go, you know what, we feel better about this. We need to make this change. Right. You know, Or you go through like a similar situation with Miami or with Tennessee or you know with Philadelphia where you're going to just feed in three, four guys until finally one of them sticks mm-hmm. that are lasting a season, two seasons. You're going to get in that Browns effect or that Lions effect or that Jaguars effect where you're going to try every avenue to finally you find the one that works. And that is a very real possibility. I, again, don't necessarily know if Frank Reich should be fired off the bat. I mean, you lose out the rest of your season. Yeah, that's you got to go. I mean, the Colts game was one that he needed to win. It was one without Anthony Richardson. It's not one that Bryce necessarily needed to win or for narrative building. I mean, every game's a game you need to win. I wasn't hinging the season upon it. No. It's Thursday. If you lose Thursday... I, I mean, that's... Somebody, people got to start getting pink slips. Right? Like, Thursday's the Super Bowl, honestly. Thursday's playoffs. Thursday is 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 the Taj Mahal. Like, <laughs> Well, you can't do it because once you, if you lose that game and you start firing people, then you kind of just admit, just admit to the world, hey, look, we... we, we what, are we what are we doing we now? Up. What are we doing now? What is this... Pl- I mean, this, we're admitting it a day in and day out. I mean, but the mistakes were made a while ago. The mistakes were made a while ago to this point. So, I mean, it's, it kind of is what it is. It is I don't, I don't, I'll be honest, man. Isn't that what's more frustrating, though? Like, there's not a, like, there's not a, oh, we can pinpoint, like, Matt Rule, it's like, all right, this dude's a schlub. I don't yeah. care how many pregame speeches he makes. The dude's a schlub. He doesn't know what's going on. And we have no, we don't have a quarterback. So, why would we perform well? Now, we've got a quarterback. But, man, I hate to say it, but I saw better performances under Matt Rule than I've seen with this group. Yeah. High, like, yeah. As far as like from a competitive standpoint, you know, things like potential, like I saw better things out of Matt. Matt Rule was just an unlikable guy. That was probably the biggest thing. Yeah. He was an unlikable guy. His it, 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 how he spoke, the, the messaging he put out there was all bad. Aside from him being unlikable, if he just would have shut up, you, I probably wouldn't have been that. <laughs> I mean, they probably wouldn't have been that bad. But if, but because his messaging was so bad, like it. It made everything feel worse, but this right here, what, what, what um, I've seen from Frank in this group and this all this NFL experience, bro, it's not been good. No, at it's all. not. It's nothing that I want to I want to continue forward with. Like I said, if 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 there's a move to be made and Frank is to be fired, then the only guy that needs to have a shot at being the head coach is Avero. Yeah. Because honestly, but uh, then the problem, but I feel like then putting him in the head coaching spot will then take him away from what he was right. doing well. He doesn't get the ability to focus solely on the defense. And I am I hate coaches. I hate the idea of coaching both a position and, or both a side, a, of, the a ball side of the ball and being the head coach. Yeah. I, it just, I, I've never seen it work right. Absolutely. Like, I, remember I, the Titans is the only area where I've seen it actually work, and he still needed a whole other head coach. So that's where I'm like, I, I, I still wouldn't want that. You know, I would want someone to come in, you know, I think, again, like we keep talking about, more needs to be put on the emphasis on former players, 
on former defensive players, especially former, you know, linebackers, linemen. I feel like these guys make the best coaches. You talk about Matt Rule, uh, the switch from Matt Rule to Frank Reich, and I'll edit this out of the podcast. It's like to me, it's like Donald Trump to Biden. You know, they're both awful. They both do both things awful. If one of them would have just shut up, he probably wouldn't have gotten booted out so fast, and maybe would have actually been at least mediocre. The other one's just too damn old or doesn't know what he's doing, and is stumble. I'm gonna start calling him Sleepy Frank. Like it's. It is boring. every press conference. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Is that I want him to work. I really, I do. I, I don't dislike the guy. I really want him to be able to be successful here. But to this point, I'm like, bro, I don't have time to waste, man. I'm not wasting no money no. spending going to games. I'm not. I'm kind of getting tired of having to record for a bad team. <laughs> like it's getting. We're it's, saying the same things every week. Yeah, I don't know how many ways we can say it. We, I'm, we, I'm gonna start learning like Spanish so we can start saying it in different languages because we're gonna start, start playing games on here, man. We start, I, we start, I mean, we might as well start playing Madden as we're recording, and we can show you in real time how you can use your players better than what you're doing right now. I know they got the setup over here. I see, and they're playing it while they wait for people to come in and shop, which isn't that long. But what I'm saying is, is that I just don't understand. What, like, there's no way out. There's no way that looks good there's no way that doesn't give put you back three more years and matt rule might get his wish it might be another four years before the panthers see any semblance of success and then there's that seven year mark that he was you know trying to sell us on a silver platter and that's finally when the panthers are successful again and boa is just going to turn into a tourist trap which it already is i mean i don't i know there's not that many colts fans in existence no i know that I know one Colt fan personally, yep. and he's not let me hear the end of it for the last 48 hours. And That's crazy. I mean, him ain't even talked yet. I, oh, God. <laughs> get ready for it. It's not good. Uh, but I just, like, that from that perspective, that shows Tepper's failing. The product is, being, is, is horrible. You took out eight rows of seats in the end zone. So now people don't even celebrate when, out of sheer randomness, a touchdown does come that way. So now... You have to shift all gears and move to Thursday with Brian Burns maybe not even being able to play. Xavier Woods maybe not being able to play. And I I just don't know. like I, what What is your thought process on this Bears game? Oh, it looked better. That's uh, all, all, all I can ask for. I don't even ask for wins anymore. This looked better. This, this looked like we did something right some, somewhere along the way. Um, I... I would say this is a secondary you could probably you could probably have a big day against, but I, I would be lying. <laughs> I would say you could run the ball against this group. You should be able to, but then again, knowing us, I still that would also be a lie. I mean, defend. I mean, it, and the probably and the, and the sad part is going to be that Miles Sanders and DJ Chark have each respectively had big games against the Bears, playing for the Lions and the Eagles. Not gonna happen. That that's gonna do nothing for us now. I don't know. At this point, man, I'm just hoping for the best. I really have I really have nothing like strategical to say about any of this, man. I just I just play well. I don't know. I I, I honestly I, I, I first off I was wanting, you know, honestly you do want to lose. Actually, no, you want to win so that you you know if it comes down to it you have a still have a worse draft pick than they do, but. I think that originally I was like, yeah, I don't want to really see DJ Moore go off for us. That's like gonna hurt. Now I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Let's have let DJ have a good game. It's he he needs it. It's, it's happening. I don't know. I'm gonna tell you the other day. It's, it's gonna happen. If you have him in fantasy, start him. Put him in and you know put him at quarterback because it's gonna he's gonna throw for a touchdown too probably. I just I, I it we talked for four years and analyzed Matt Rule and, you know, said, all right, this is what the problem is this week. This is what the problem is this, is this week. You know, it ebbed and flowed. It got, you know, you saw, I mean, now it's just, 
I could, we could not record for the next month. And use the same episode. I could use the exact same episode. And, and if you weren't paying atten- too much attention to the general, you know, the specifics of who we're talking about, it would apply. Yeah. It, it would apply and it would make the, point, the same points we made. And when you go back and listen, it will probably still sound damn near the same. And and thank God, I, I Jason's not on for technical reasons, but I would have to do so much editing of this episode because or I put a bleep button throughout the entire thing. Jay, I mean, you think we're going off? Jason is just chilling beside himself. <laughs> like we've just, we've gotten just this you know this this just all right. And I was okay with that because it was Matt Rule. You know, I was like, all right, I, I I'm not expecting anything from you. And that's the biggest thing is the expectations they set for this team. Yep. That did not need to be set. No. no one told you to do that. And that's what, you know, that's what gets me going. So I think, you know, if there's a score prediction, depending on the weather, I'm going to give it like 16 to 10. I was thinking about, I was thinking like 17, 13. See, that's being bold though, because that at least, that assumes that, wait, well, who's winning in that game? Oh, Chicago. Okay, never mind. I was going to say, because 17 points eludes for two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I, that's where I was putting, you know. You got to touch down a couple of field goals. That's all you got. I think it'll be I, I'll give it sixteen to ten and I'll be the optimist and say us, but it'll be one touchdown and then however many field goals that is, and Avera will continue to have I mean he should be a Pro Bowl you know, Pro Bowl player this year. At this point. Only one that we've got. But if you wanna listen next time, you you can. I don't know why. Our views and listens have stayed pretty consistent, which just shows how either sad we are or how connected and loyal we are. But so if you wanna come and tune in next time it's going to be what we just said. I don't expect anything different. So until then, keep pounding.